This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. Are you curious about unschooling? Do you want to know what unschooling looks like? Then visit our other website, unschoolingdads.com. There you will find interviews and testimonials by many unschooling dads. You may also download the book, Unschooling Dads, for free, or purchase it in paperback at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, before we start the episode, I want to invite you to join me as a featured guest. I'd love to chat and get to know you and give you this platform to bounce your ideas around, to schedule Go to the main website at everythingvoluntary.com. On the right-hand side, there's a link to schedule with me immediately. Click that link, select a day and time, answer the questions, and submit. That's all it takes. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's November 11th, 2020, which means I have an anniversary to celebrate. Today is the anniversary of the creation of everythingvoluntary.com which I created, and it went live November 11th, 2011. 11-11-11. So this is nine years. Nine years ago, my mind put together these ideas of uh, liberty and voluntarism, anarchism, free markets, agorism on the one hand, and peaceful and respecting, respectful and authentic parenting and radical unschooling and self-directed education on the other, and said, this is all consistent. This is the entirety of the voluntarist uh, practice, if you will. I want to put together a resource that people can access to read about voluntarism and free markets and agorism, and also peaceful parenting and radical unschooling. Thus was born everythingvoluntary.com. And it was soon after that I thought, you know what, I'm going to put together another resource. I'm going to put together a book and I'm going to get some essays by, by giants in, in, polit in political writing, uh, in markets, in economics, in uh, peaceful parenting, in radical unschooling. I'm going to put all this together and I'm going to publish an anthology. And that anthology was published, I would say, May 2012. So what is that, six months later? That was my first book. I, I, I compiled it, edited it to a point. I mean, most stuff was already edited, but I've got the edit by the edit byline, editor byline. And I took that book. I was invited to Freedom Fest by Mark Skousen, gave me free tickets. I just had to pay for a hotel. Jeffrey Tucker, who was running the laissez faire uh, books booth, purchased like 50 copies. So I brought. I brought those in a box, and I did a little a little author signing. That was fun. I got to meet several people. I met Tom Woods, shook his hand, took a photo. I met Bob Murphy, shook his hand, took a photo. Uh, David Thoreau of the Independent Institute, shook his hand, took a photo. Peter Schiff, Stefan Molyneux, 
Wendy McElroy. Um, a couple of reason people I don't think are there anymore. None of the big names. I've got all that on my in a Facebook photo album. But that was fun. My wife went with me and we sat through several of the the lectures. Some were far more anarchist and to my liking than others. Others were more limited government. You know, I, I don't, you know, there were guys like Steve Forbes and um, other guys that weren't weren't quite as radical. But that was it. That was the birth of all of us. And it was not the end of that year, but the end of the next year that a guy named Phil Eager uh, reached out to me on Facebook. And he was he was an unschooling dad and he was a voluntarist. And he said, hey, man, I've got some audio mixing skills and software and whatnot. Let's do a podcast. And that's how this podcast was born. We did that for about a year and then went on hiatus. And then I came back on my own for a couple of years and then off on hiatus. And here we are in 2020 and I'm, I'm going pretty strong here. I've been going for several months, almost every day, and I'm happy with that. Okay. This episode is going to be quotes. I've got four quotes and then a fifth. That's kind of a small little thing that I thought was kind of funny. I wanted to, wanted to end with. So we'll start, we'll start with one by Larkin Rose. If you love freedom as I do, there is no country on earth for you. Every flag, every nation stands for your enslavement in one way or another. This is, this is a tough thing for me. Now, on the one hand, I want to celebrate and be proud to be living here in America, right? Because I look at all of the liberties and wealth that we have, and that wealth is a result of the liberties, the relative amount of liberties that we've enjoyed relative to the rest of the world over the last 250 years and be proud of that but i can't help but ha- but but i can't help but feel a bit of a chain around my neck or maybe around my ankle when i think those words and that chain represents the american state all right for me to stand up and say i'm proud to be an american and i love america it's the greatest place on earth i would rather live here than it, with all of our problems i would rather live here than anywhere else because of all the things, all the liberties I'm, quote, allowed to enjoy. And it's that allowed that really, that really wears on my ankle. It rubs and chafes something fierce. That idea that this place is great because I'm allowed. I have permission. The que- it begs the question, permission from who? Who out there? stand so far above me that I must get their permission before I may act in ways of my choosing. That harms no one. But even in America, the land of the free, quote unquote, our liberties are insecure. And I suppose that's just the natural state, right? Liberties are insecure. There's no guarantee in nature that you will not be coercively interfered with, that your life would not be that you won't be harassed violently or not. I get that, but it's it's the rhetoric, right? It's the ethos and the mythos of America. The ethos is, is that we have liberty. It's ours by birthright, if you will, and that government may not encroach on that. And I can say I believe that and I stand for that, and I suppose I do, but it's just not true. The first part's true. We have liberties and they should be respected. But the state part, the state part, simply not true. These rights, these liberties 
however we formulate that, are not granted by the state. They can only be encroached upon by the state, right? The insecurity of our liberties is the natural state of affairs. I get that. But having these liberties and and being allowed to enjoy them is also the natural state. And government is the first to encroach on that, even the American government, especially the American government. So to sit here and say, I'm a proud American and I love America, that's not heard. That's not heard in the way that I mean it, ever. It's heard as some sort of an endorsement for the American state, which I absolutely loathe. So I think Larkin is right. If you love freedom as I do, as he does, there is no country on earth for you. Every flag, every nation stands for your enslavement in one way or another. And I would add in, to one degree or another. Some places, your liberty, your liberties are less encroached upon than others. I get that. Some places have a stronger cultural commitment to respecting certain liberties than others. I get that. For example, private firearm ownership. There's a much stronger cultural commitment to respecting that here than probably most other places in the world. Free speech, right? That's that's such a cult, a deep cultural expectation and commitment that it's in our bones that we can say whatever we want. We get so upset when even private companies and private individuals try to block our speech, right? We're we're so committed to free speech that we get upset when private property owners are exercising their right, their property rights in moderating it, <laughs> which just kind of tells you that we have a maybe a greater respect for free speech than we do for, you know, and, and that's true, we do for property rights, other property rights, because, I mean, for a long time, we've been violent, we've been allowing the state to encroach on property rights with all sorts of regulations, including, and I hate to say it because it makes us sound like assholes, but Discrimination laws, okay? Anti-discrimination regulations force private property owners owners to integrate and to mix with people they disagree with. And I wish there was a greater commitment to that. Is there a greater commitment to that in some places? Maybe. It may seem that way, right? There may be places where like um, minorities are kept out and that's okay from private establishments, but that doesn't prove that there's a commitment to that. That just proves that, you know, there's some sort of bigotry going on, right? The test comes when um, these people who are currently engaged in this type of discrimination are then discriminated against in similar ways and how they react to that, right? If they're like, okay, great, you do you, or if they get upset and get violent and whatnot. That's, that's the test, and it goes both ways, or it should go both ways. All right, let's go on to the next one. All right, this is by Robert Higgs, who I really like. I publish some of his better Facebook posts on the website under a blog called Against Leviathan. He puts a lot on Facebook. Most of it is not uh, not applicable, but once in a while he's got a gem that I've got to just to syndicate over there. <laughs> and he writes this. I don't I don't know where this is written, but here's the quote. Markets and governments differ in many ways, but perhaps the most fundamental way is that markets consist of voluntary offers to cooperate, along with freedom to accept or decline the offers without retribution. Whereas government consists of dictates with which all subjects must comply lest they be punished for their failure to do so. One world is peaceful and cooperative. The other is violent, at least as a background condition, threatening and coercive. 
this this is real. That's the end of the quote. This is really the the beginning and end of why I'm a voluntarist, and I do prefer that label. There's less confusion about what it is. There's less. Uh, I mean, libertarian. Yeah, that works too. But then you got to explain it. Anarchist. That works too. But then you got to explain it. And there's a lot of anarchists that don't want anarchists like me to wear that label because I happen to believe in private property and self ownership. I'm not a collectivist, so they don't. They don't. <laughs> They don't want me to wear that label, but fuck them. So Voluntarius works really well, and that's sort of the one I've put out publicly, everythingvoluntary.com and, you know, voluntarism. That's that's sort of been it. But this is it. This is all it comes down to. Persuasion versus force. That's it. That's 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 the first chapter by Mark Skousen in Everything Voluntary, persuasion versus force. Markets are built on persuasion, and from there, cooperation. Governments are built on force. And from there, subjugation and oppression. Why Why would you ever, why would anybody ever support coercion and aggression unless you are a psychopath? Well, it's because, it's because you're confused. You've been indoctrinated into the mythos that government is somehow good, that it originated in some sort of uh, immaculate, divine, perfect way, that it wasn't just the result of violent conquest and subjugation, and it was every case, in every case, all over the world, and probably the universe, probably the entire universe, <laughs> anywhere you have a nation state, it was founded in conquest. And I get it, you know, people are like, well, you know, I, you know, this is the system we live in. It, okay, but that doesn't mean you have to be in love with it. That doesn't mean you have to try to fuck it every chance you get. You can recognize it as Dirty and shitty and messed up and, and, I don't know, to, you know, not really a better word, evil, and still work within it. I get it. You don't have to become its BFF and then use it to get yourself wealth and more power. Okay, your, your actions are contradicting <laughs> your words. That's the case, if that's what you're doing. So I get that you got to work within it. You've got to try to, you know, do what you can to secure your own liberties and build your own wealth and make a good life for yourself and for your family. I get it. I do that, right? I do what I can to separate myself from it. But when you can't, you go along. But you also, you know, you also have to put a line that you're not going to cross. You have to figure out where that is. For me, I my line is slavery. I'm not a slave, so I'm not going to go along with slave schemes. That's my line. But that that's why one is a voluntarist or an anarchist or a libertarian. It, it really is that simple. Persuasion versus force. Markets are the area, the arena of persuasion and cooperation, and government is the arena of aggression and force and violence and coercion and all of that nastiness. All right, let's go to the next one. Ooh, this is good. This one's really good. This was probably shared because of its its timeliness, yet its timelessness. This is a quote by somebody who is as statist and warmongering and fearmongering as they come. And that is Theodore Roosevelt. Okay, so this is a very old quote, but it's also a very new quote. All right, I'm going to read this, and you're, you're going to see exactly what I mean by that. He says, The old parties are husks with no real soul within either, divided on artificial lines, boss-ridden and privilege-controlled, each a jumble of incongruous elements, and neither daring to speak out wisely and fearlessly on what should be said on the vital issues of the day. And he's absolutely right. He was right then, 100 years ago or more, 
120 years ago, 130. And he's right today. And he's talking about political parties, talking about, I don't know which parties he was talking about then, but today this would apply to the Democrats and the Republicans. They are husks with no real soul. And they're divided on artificial lines, right? Each one sort of has their positions on things and different things. And then they're just, the other one's just the opposite. And there's no real consistency to which things they should be for and against, right? Based on any sort of principles. It just, you know, at some point, one side takes a position and then the other side has to oppose it. And then it just becomes, <laughs> and then it just becomes the party line. And, and the, the, the border, right, is, I mean, they're, they're, let me put it this way. They're 95% in the same thing. They both want big authoritarian government to tell people what to do and to threaten prison for not doing it. They're both 100% committed to that ideology. But the 5% they differ on is, is, is the bit that all the, 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 the acolytes and the plebeians and the supporters and all, you know, you know the masses will protest on and, and argue with and families will break up over and friendship will, friendships will be lost over. It's the 5%. <laughs> and I mean, this is, this is evident. If you're paying attention and you're actually looking at what these people say in their primary debates and then in their debates and what they're arguing over, what they're promising to do for people, it's obvious, especially when you track that election season to election season. Okay, the last two election seasons, Donald Trump was all about tariffs and big protectionist policies and blah, blah, blah. And previous, that's where the Democrats were at, you know, and, and Donald Trump was a Democrat. He was a progressive. He just put on a red robe, added some populist rhetoric to that, added some nationalistic, and in some cases, some uh, xenophobic. And, you know, he won... <laughs> the Republican primaries by insulting and being a goof and a clown, um, all of the other candidates. And then he went on to win the election in 2016. And he, and he stuck to that formula. And I guess it's just who he is. And it, it looks like he didn't, he didn't win again. And what was the alternative? The alternative was a, was a kitty diddler who has a problem keeping his hands to himself and off the faces of children and their shoulders and their backs, who likes to be tough on crime and put people in prison for doing something harmless, like possessing or dealing in marijuana or other drugs. And his vice president actually did that. She was actually on the front lines of that. So it makes sense that he picked her. They are of the same ilk. They're both tough on cry, big government authoritarians, and that's how they behaved. Anyway, all right, let's, uh, let's go on to the next one. Here we go. I should have put the, pushed this up. I already said this. This is by Mark Skousen. This is from that chapter one, Everything Voluntary, Persuasion versus Force. He writes it at the end. The triumph of persuasion over force is the sign of a civilized society. That's what, civ that's what being civilized means. It means persuasion, not aggression, not force, not violence. When you engage in that, you are not behaving civilized, right? When a, when a law enforcement officer or a civil enforcement officer, or a bureaucrat, or a prosecutor, or a judge, or a politician is explaining to you what you can and can't do and, and how you will be punished if you fail to comply, they are behaving uncivilized. They are behaving barbarically. In many ways, the barbarians were probably more civilized than some of the things we see today. 
All right, let's do this. I've already said so much on that. Let me just give this last quote. It's by Arlo Guthrie, who was an American folk singer-songwriter, and he's known for singing songs of protest against social injustice, born 1947. I am not any more familiar with him than that. I just looked that up. (laughs) And I just thought this was an interesting quote. It says, being famous is not the same as being important. A lot of important people aren't famous, and a lot of famous people aren't important. Now, the reason I picked this quote is not to say that I'm important and I'm not famous. I'm not famous. I don't want to be famous. But what I have to say, I believe, is important, which is why I get up every day and I turn on my recorder and I speak. Okay, And so far, that's a liberty that has not been interfered with. And I'm doing it. And I'm speaking. And I'm releasing that out to the world. And you're listening to it. And if it's been interesting to you, I would ask that you share it. Tell your friends, tell your family, hey, check out this podcast, Everything Voluntary. Just search Everything Voluntary. Subscribe to that. It comes out with several episodes a week. But even more, and let me repeat what what was said at the very beginning of the podcast. If you think that you have something important to say, then I invite you to also come onto this podcast and speak. Speak to me. I will listen. I will engage. We'll have our chat. You'll give me your ideas. We'll play around with them. And then we'll release that out into the world together. That's my first offer. Just come have a chat with me. Go to the right-hand side of everythingvoluntary.com and click schedule immediately and, and just fill it out. That'll connect us. And if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast and you have no idea how to do it, shoot me an email, skylarcollins at gmail.com, um, or you can go to skylarjcollins.com and click contact, and there's a form there you can fill out too. I even give you my phone number. Feel free to send me a text message from there. We can connect. And, you know, if your podcast matches some of the themes on my website, I will host it for you. I'll host it for you, right? All you would need to do is record it, send me the recording through a shared Dropbox folder. It's very simple. And then I'll take that. I'll I'll do my, you know, the same editing process I do for my podcast, throw on the bumper music, which we can we can have made, might cost you 50 bucks. And then I'll upload it to the to the archive.org host and publish it as a feed. And then you can take that feed and, and, you know, you'll have your own podcast name and whatever. It's your podcast. But I'll help you do that. We'll add it to the everythingvoluntary.com podcast network. So either you can come on here and have a chat with me once or once in a while, as often as you'd like, or you can start recording your own podcast. It's up to you. I'll help you out either way. All right, that's going to do it. Please remember, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Don't ask permission. Thank you so much for listening, and have a better day. Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash ebc. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everything voluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.